Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? Getfeatured.media will get you featured on targeted shows. They'll design a custom bio page, pitch you to the hosts, schedule a time, prepare you for the shows and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.media to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hey, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 50 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I have the honor and pleasure of picking the musical brain of Grammy Award-nominated reggae artist Matis Yahoo. Now, I don't think he needs any introduction, but I will say this. My wife is in love with his music and is more excited about me doing this interview with him than when I proposed to her 10 years ago. Matis Yahoo, mm. welcome to the show, and thanks for letting me pick your brain. Sure. Now, you know, actually, Matis Yahoo, I had some, uh, some work done on my teeth today. And I don't like the sound of the drilling, so I plugged in my headphones and I blasted your music. So thanks for helping me get through my dental treatment today. Nice. Did they give you the gas? No, they gave me the freaking injection. I hate the injection. It stings. Oh, would have been good with the gas and the music together. That would have been a nice time. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a very nice time. By the way, where, so where, where did you, your singing career begin? I'm actually, we're right now speaking from the town where my career started. I started in a town called Bend, Oregon, where I came. I was 17, and I went on a wilderness treatment program and then spent a year in this town mm -hmm. um, living uh, and being, I was in a program, uh, like a sober living program, and this is where I started making music. It's, um, there was a coffee shop, and I started doing an open mic night here, mm -hmm. uh, and basically, I had a daughter two and a half years ago with a woman that lives here, and so I'm actually in the town where it all started. So you've done me full right circle. now you've become on this full podcast, circle. live and direct from Bend, Oregon. Cool. Yep. So you've come full yep. circle, basically. Mm-hmm. Cycles cool. and circles. Cycles and circles. And you, you had a major transformational change where you shaved your beard and your side locks, which created basically a ripple effect, including major confusion amongst your fans, a divorce, um, and a completely different brand image. Uh, were you prepared for what was coming when you made that decision? Well, I wouldn't say that was the cause of the divorce, but no, I was not actually. I just kind of my whole life I've sort of done what what I feel like is important to me. Um, you know, I remember like when I was in college, the day I decided to wear a yarmulke to school mm -hmm. and like, you know, I tried not to think too much about what other people would think about it. Like, I'm sure people have all kinds of thoughts like, oh, what, what I remember like, you know, coming to high school the first day wearing whatever I was wearing, you know, people, you know, judge you obviously by your appearance. But right. for me, like my appearance has always reflected what's going on inside of me and I'm a person who's like throughout my whole life continued to evolve and change and to wear it you know on the outside so you know when I when I made that decision to change it was sort of a, a revelation for me and I did it and I you know didn't even think about like really what 
fans or people would think about because I've always like really lived my life from the inside out Mm -hmm. and then dealt with it. Um, the repercussions of that on the backside, you know, when I first started doing music as a Hasidic, you know, young man in Brooklyn, Mm -hmm. I didn't think about really, I mean, what people would think about it other than that. I knew it would generate attention that people would be sort of taken by surprise Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I didn't, you know, I just, I didn't really think too much about what other, what other people think. Cause you, you can't really live your life that way when you're an artist or a creative person doing things that are different right. than the norm. Yeah. Uh, so huh. basically I made that decision. I came to that realization inside. It was a long, it was a long period that I was struggling with it. And finally it hit me like, kind of like one day as I was walking down the street that like, you know, I can do whatever I want. See, when I first grew my beard, that was really like an act of self-expression for me. It was like I was coming into this like real like journey in Judaism and I was interested in it and I was exploring it and I was studying Kabbalah and Hasidus and that was what was inspiring me inside and therefore I decided like, let me, I want to express that in my fashion sense mm-hmm. or in in my, in the way that I look on the outside so I started growing a beard and I started wearing a yarmulke and I felt the strong identification with it um, and then at a certain point I remember like I got uh, and I was trying out for different like things you know music acting different things and I got a commercial callback for a beer commercial and they asked me to shave the beard and i had already had my beard then and i was already starting to become religious Mm -hmm. like maybe six months and i went to two rabbis that i was close with and one of them was an orthodox rabbi from more of like a litvish background and he was like you know no problem you can shave your beard and then i went to another rabbi that i was close with who was chabad and he was like don't shave your beard all your brachas (laughs) come in the beard and you know what the kabbalah says about the beard and don't let anyone tell you how you should look blah 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 and in the end i decided not to shave the beard um and from that point on the beard became no longer sort of like an act of Mm self-expression but it became like an act of self-nullification where it was like it was about following the rules and not really necessarily expressing how i want to look but more about this is what i have to do Mm. and basically you know for years i had it And I had mixed feelings about it. Obviously, there were times when I loved it and I felt really in tune and connected with that image. And then there were times when I felt it was bothersome or I didn't like the way it looked or I missed seeing my own face. Um, And this was obviously like before it became cool for everyone to have a beard. Um, Mm -hmm. There were like no no one had a beard then. Right. Um, And basically, you know, I struggled with it and I was like, well, I could never shave it like, you know because of the religion like i just couldn't do that and then i eventually like one day was walking down the street and i was like you know what like it's my life like there are no rules you Mm. know there is i can live my life how i want to live it and i can choose the rules for myself and i like literally walked in shaved the beard didn't think about any of like what fans would say or people would say it was like a real internal thing for me and then i realized i had a show coming up like a week later and i was at my voice teacher's house and on the upper west side i was staying with him because i was dealing with some vocal issues 
I was in a very sensitive space. I was eating like macrobiotics and I was, I was on a vocal fast. I wasn't speaking and I was, um, you know, like went to shul for the first time without a beard and I was synagogue. like, well, what are people? Go-? Yeah. Synagogue. I was like, well, what are people going to think? Like when I show up for the, for the show, like they're going to think it's not me. Right. And I was looking through Twitter and somebody posted, like sometimes fans, they'll quote like lyrics of mine. And someone posted like a quote from a song that I have called Thunder mm-hmm. that says, when the time comes, I'll lose my disguise. Wow. And I was like, oh, that's perfect. You know, because sometimes, a lot of times when I write, I write like it's free association. And I don't always know like what it is that I mean when I write it. It's like it comes from a certain like subconscious place. And I think like when I wrote that lyric, that's what I was referring to. Like there will be a time when I'll be ready to to let go of this image and sort of start over, start fresh, start clean. And so when I read that, I was like, wow, like my, like the universe is talking to me and my fans are tapped into what's going on with me, even without me telling them certain people. So I like took that quote and I took a picture of myself and I posted it. And that was like when that day it was like the number one Google trend. Right. And it's just funny, you know, did you, like, did a you beard expect- could be, did you expect the reaction you, you got? You got a very negative reaction. Yeah, you know. No, I, I didn't expect, again, I didn't expect anything. I didn't think about it. Mm. What it did was sort of like, it started this process for me where I realized I have to like, make it, there's a different, I have to make a strong differentiation between who are my fans for real and who aren't. Like, who are just... Like, cause there's some element of me that was like pop culture. So it was like, not really fans, not people that listen to the words or the message or the music, right. mm-hmm. but people that just make assumptions and projections onto you based on you being some kind of image or thing in right. culture. Right. But then there was like the fans that really get it. Like they've been following the music and the lyrics and therefore following my struggles and my whole inner world. Cause that's, that's what I put into the music. So right. for those fans who might be Jewish, might not be Jewish, might be religious, might not people from all walks of, of life and faith who have dealt with all kinds of things, you know, they like had no issue with it at all. They were like, that's just do you. And then there were like the people that were really just concerned with either my image and thought it was cool. And how could he let go of this image or people that felt that I was representing them. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. And again, those were not people that were connected to my music. So basically, I had to say goodbye to people, you know, and say like, okay, you know, this is this is what it is, you know. And um, you either like listen to the music or you don't. But I'm not here to represent a group of people, right. you know, right. based on the way I look. You know, you know what I love about your your music, Matasiao, is that it's it's filled with deep meaning, unlike much of the other music coming out nowadays. Where has your inspiration for your songs come from, and also has it changed over the past years? My inspiration comes from a lot of places, mainly like just life. Like I said, like free association. Like I just write about my experiences and like the life lessons or the mm-hmm. things that I've learned, whether that come up through uh, relationships. Um, being a father, being, you know, um, in relationships with people, um, 
through, you know, I had inspiration through the Torah, again, through the Hasidus and the Kabbalah and all the different philosophy and psychology books that I've read or that I've taken into my own life through therapy, through through just my life experience, you know. But, but now that you've got, like, different beliefs, do you still resonate with this? When you listen back to your old songs, you know, when you were a Hasidic Jew, what do you, what do you think? Do you resonate? Do you yeah, absolutely, because I don't consider myself as not being Hasidic now. Like, to me, that just became a word. And it became like, to me, like the meaning of what a Hasid is runs much deeper than like what color your socks are or what right. rules you listen to. You know, I mean, it, it, it's a type of, to me, it's a type of person. And it's not necessarily even a Jewish person. Like, I, I, I basically expanded my, my, definition of what a chassid is based on what I learned when I was living that life and, and when I was there and when I was studying that. And I haven't necessarily stopped studying Hasidus or Kabbalah or, or putting it into play in my life. I just have a different understanding mm-hmm. of what it means to me today. You know, right. So when I listen back to those songs, I don't like, it's not, I, there's nothing in any of the lyrics that I've ever written that I disagree with. Okay, so let's, let's get you know into that. I mean? so, so King Without a Crown was your, was your biggest hit. What, what did you mean by a king without a crown <clears throat> back then? And I'm, I'm assuming that obviously now you, you still believe in that. What, what does King Without a Crown mean to you? I don't know. I didn't know what it meant then, and I don't know what it means now. But <laughs> I kidding? continue to like, I, no, I continue to like read what fans' interpretations of, of it are. And it you resonates. must have felt you must and have felt something when you sang that song. You're not just singing. Stuff. There's a deep. There's a very like deep connection to those words. Like I know they came from some place, and I know that they represent something very real. But there's no like specific meaning to it. Like a king without a crown is a Jew without the Torah. You know what okay. I mean? Or you know, it is a person who you know whatever it is. I mean. Basically, I don't know what that word. I don't know what the lyrics mean. I can tell you what the lyrics and the rest of the song mean because they're very straightforward. Well, you, you said you, know? you want Mashiach it's now like, in that song as well, right? That's that's another thing. Yeah, like the the word. You're all so, that I have. You're all that I need. Each yeah. and every day, I pray to get to know you, please. Uh-huh. You know, all those words are very literal. The whole song is very literal. But so the Messiah, metaphor of a king without a crown. What's that? Do you still? I mean, when you say I want Mashiach now, which is the Messiah, does that still hold true? Is that still something that you believe in? The Messiah coming? Yeah, as a as a as a concept, not as a literal thing. And whether or not it's literal, that I don't really care about. It maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But as a concept, yes, I, that's a it's a concept that I that I connect with. And same thing with One Day. One Day is also a messianic song. Like it's right. very, you know, very much tied into the idea of of Mashiach, but. Um, what that means to me now has a different maybe meaning than the literal meaning of when I was in Chabad singing Yechi, you mm-hmm. know? Right, right. By the way, by the way, my wife's favorite line is, your cup's already full, then it's bound to overflow. What, what does that mean? That means exactly what it says. Like if you, if you, if you, if you, if you already know, if you already know, then you've got nowhere to go. If you already have like the answers, mm. if you already you know, full, if you don't leave space, then, you know, you're, you're stuck, you know? So, so if you it. think you know it all, basically, you can't, you can't take anything more You in. can't continue to grow. Got it, got it. And also, in your song, which you mentioned just now, <sighs> One Day, you said, sometimes in my tears I drown, but I never let it get me down. And that, that's very powerful for me to hear right now, because thinking about your story, you must have got a lot of pushback and hate from the decisions you made in your life. How do you stay so positive? 
Well, I'm not always so positive, you know. I mean, I have a positive outlook and I have a muna, like I have faith. I believe in God and I believe in my in in myself and in destiny and my connection with people, with music, with God that I'm doing a positive thing and I'm doing a good thing. You have to like believe in yourself and and um and I believe I I I really do believe that there's like you know, I try to put goodness into the world. That's the way I'm built. But I'm not always so positive. I mean, I definitely have a temper issue. I have issues with all kinds of things, you know, dealing with backlash and fans. And, you know, I'm not like a, a, a go-lucky, like happy per- person ne- necessarily. I mean, I deal with like a lot of the ups and downs of a person that struggles in life. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's why I've been able to, to write music that helps people that also go through real life emotion so how, how do you deal with it i mean compared to how you dealt with it back then and now how has it changed the way you deal with negative feelings well i'm a little more i i'm trying to be a little more mature and to watch myself a little bit um in terms of like getting upset at people um you know i've been able to like focus and surround myself with people that i really care about that care about me mm-hmm. um you know, I do things, you know, breathing, meditation, you know, but mainly I just try to stay focused and stay on my grind and, um, and do, you know, put my energy into my kids, my, uh, my relationships, the people that, that, that I care about, that give to me, that I give back to my work, my career, my music, you know, Mm -hmm. um, and not get too caught up in the rest of, uh, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, one of my favorite lines is actually from your song "Sunshine." Reach for the sky, keep your eye on the prize. I mean, what what is your prize? I just mean like the just stay focused. Keep, what, keep I'm your saying, eye. What, you, you've got a prize, right? Every that that was the whole message in your song, right? It was was stay focused, keep your eye on the prize. What what is yeah. your prize? I'm saying, what do you live it's, for? There's no there's no literal prize. There's no. It's just like you know the the main thing is what's what's important in your life. And again, what's important in my life are my kids and my music mainly. You know, and my relationships and people in my band, the people that I that I care about that that take care of me and that I take care of and you know, being focused on making real music, authentic music, music that really, you know, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of, like I, my rabbi in yeshiva used to say, the the many winds are blowing. You know, you're, there's a lot of different ideas and vibes and energies. And when you put yourself out there into the world, you know, you and you're a sensitive person, you know, there's all kinds of things flying. And the main thing for me is to sort of stay true to myself and true to the music that I make. Mm. I hope you really don't mind this question, but in your song called Jerusalem, you have a line that goes, why is everybody chasing weed? Don't you see that's not the way to be, right? Have you changed your opinion on that? No, I mean, the Jews were being chased. There's no question, you know, for for thousands of years. No, but you said weed. I'm saying chasing weed. As in marijuana. No, we. Chasing we. Oh, God. I thought it was chasing weed. No. Okay, I guess I uh, I misheard that one. No problem. It's okay. You've had some big inspirational people in your life, including Bob Marley, the Lubavitcher Rebbe, uh, Rebbe Nachman of Breslov. If you could bring one of them back to life, um, who would it be and why? I, I don't really think that way. I've never thought about that. I would never do... I don't know. People ask me that kind of question all the time. I don't really have an answer. 
because people are dead, they're dead. Like, there's no point in, like, thinking about who would I bring back and why would I bring them back. That's just, like, it's just outside of the category of the way I think. Hmm. Okay, fine. Do you, by the way, do you play music for yourself or do you play it for your fans? Um, both, but, you know, mainly, you know, there's a, there's a connection between the two. You know, I, there's both. You know, I, I, I started making music and continue to make music for myself in the sense that it is um, therapy for me and it is like the, the thing that I do. It's like the, the way that I'm able to make sense of my world and express myself and be creative. So if I didn't have like one fan in the world, I would still make music. Now there's like definitely another, once music became my career, there's a lot of other reasons why I make music, you know, mm -hmm. their mouths to feed this became my career. So it became also a business and it became a job at the same time. I've also had like this, um, you know, success in the sense that people have been able to connect to my music. And I mean, obviously it's amazing to be able to write songs from your heart about your struggle and have people connect with them and have those songs help people in their lives. So my music is is a combination of both of those things. Hmm. And for those listening that are trying to get out there and build a following for themselves, whether as an artist or a businessman, what, what would you advise? What would your advice be to them? My advice is not to think about that. My advice is to to go inwards, to go inside, and to focus on whatever it is that you do and doing it the most in the most authentic and in the best way that you can do it. And I truly believe that when you actually do have something to offer the world, the universe or God makes it happen. And there's like plenty of imposters out there that are so focused on the opposite in the world in making ripples, but actually don't have anything to offer the world. And I would say that that, you know, there are people that are good at that, that are great at marketing and promoting but that don't necessarily have a product. And I believe I'm still very spiritual in the sense that I believe when you truly do have uh, something to offer that will help people, mm -hmm. like that God makes that happen. Cool. But here, here are a few questions, by the way, from uh, some of my fans. You ready? Yeah. Okay, so w what did you think it would be like to be famous before you became famous? And is it anything like you imagined it would be? That's a great question. I think I felt that like it would be like a dream come true that like all of a sudden all your problem all my problems would be solved mm -hmm. all my it would be like feel like waking up in the morning would feel different like you you mm -hmm. it would like feel like being high or something like right. you would just feel amazing all the time knowing that you know you're successful or you're famous and the truth is that it's nothing like that. There are moments where where you connect with it and internalize the way that your music has had an impact or there are moments when it feels good when someone comes over to you and recognizes you um or appreciates you but um what i've sort of figured out in life is that nothing changes the way you feel you know with the acceptance of maybe like substances but when it comes down to life there's really no escape from it mm. and um you know fame can just be another another drug um but for me, it wasn't. I mean, for me, I just get so caught up in or just the way I feel is the way I feel. And unless I make a conscious decision to sit and meditate on it and think about it, um, then, you know, then maybe I can 
feel good for a minute from it, but it didn't didn't change anything, you know, in mm. terms of the way I feel when I wake up in the morning. So when you when you're about to get on stage and you've got all these fans waiting and screaming your name, like how how do you feel? What goes through your mind? How do you psych yourself well, up? That's I don't think about them at all. I'm like um, I don't think about. I try not to think. I don't even try not to. It just mm. doesn't happen. Like I mean, I guess there's sometimes when you know I will be like backstage or know that there's people out there and that will affect me but for the most part i'm just too much of a person that's stuck in myself like i feel the way i feel and there's very little that takes me out of that <laughs> outside of prayer meditation um i'm sober now so drugs aren't an option uh but outside of actually changing my chemical makeup i'm pretty much stuck in the emotions that i'm in and there's very little you know that um that affects me would you say that's that a good sense, thing? Or, I mean, would, you, would you say that's a good thing or a bad, a bad thing? I think it's a bad thing. I, I, I mean, in some ways, I mean, I guess in some ways, maybe I am much more affected than I than I'm aware of. You know, mm -hmm. there are little things that happen in the course of your day. You know, that change the way you feel. Um, you know, little things like you know, for me, it's like hanging out with my kids or something that will happen. You know, just like a smile. Yeah. or a look or an environment that you're in those things change the way you feel but in terms of like feeling big emotions um major things which are sort of what i was chasing for a long time um i don't really i kind of gave up on that to a certain extent hmm. and i think it's good in a sense i think i was built that way for a reason and basically what happens is i go out on stage and I don't think about fans. I don't think about people. I what you I don't focus even look, on is Do you even music. look at them? Because one of the things what, that someone said is you don't engage I, with the fans. A lot of times, a lot of times, I close my eyes right. um, at, until this is. There's a long answer here. So basically, until I'm ready. So I don't come out right away and start looking at people and connecting with people because I'm not ready for them yet. I'm not ready to be what they want me to be yet. That has to happen organically. So what happens for me, the process is I come out on stage. I have no set list. I basically walk out onto stage and like the moment I hit the stage, I tell the band what song you're I want to play. You're kidding me. You didn't even, you don't and have no, they don't even know what you're no, going to, wow. No, and we start playing music basically. And as we start playing music, I go through a process, which I like to call sort of like a breakthrough where basically I sink into the music I listen to the band, to the members of the, of the band that we've mm. created a certain sound and a certain language between mm -hmm. ourselves. And I and then I fall back on the lyrics and I basically do like a mashup of my songs. So like one song blends into another song, the songs mm. change. It's a lot of improvisation and I sort of I then start saying the lyrics, and as I'm saying the lyrics over this music, I start tapping into what those lyrics mean and what they mean to me today in this moment. Wow. And then basically, God willing, what normally happens, you know, because I've been doing this for a while and I've worked really hard at it, uh -huh. is that there's a breakthrough. And at some point, the music and my own emotional state of being opens up and sort of cracks open. Wow. And... At that point, I, I gain confidence in myself and I gain, uh, I sort of tap into my light, the light that I have. It's incredible. And once that happens, I open up and I open up my eyes and I connect with the audience and I see who's out there. Wow. And then it becomes a back and forth exchange between me and the audience wow. and sort of 
you know, redeems it, it redeem, you know, I go through this process and there are a lot of people that, un- that, that don't understand that at all. That, I get like, it. I get the people 100%. that say, they're the people that just say like, Oh, he doesn't connect with his audience, you know, mm-hmm. because like maybe they're stuck on that. They don't have any idea or sense of what I'm doing. Wow. And then there are the people that like totally get it and, and are, are, are with me. They're like, okay, let's take the journey together because you know what? They also feel shitty when they came to the show they didn't get drunk and they're not just there to like party and like be like woo yeah you know they're yeah. people that are real people with real issues of depression of anxiety of mm. real things going on in their lives and i'm taking them to a real place you wow. know inside myself and inside them and in that sense it's like a real for me it's a real spiritual thing you know and, do you and, feel that do and the people that, that are like patient and they're willing to come on that journey with me they come in. So I've had to make like a sacrifice, basically. There was a point where I had to say, okay, there are people that are not going to get it. There are people that are going to talk smack and, and say all kinds of stuff, blah, blah, blah. But I have to do, really, I have to be authentic. I have to do what's real to me. And hopefully, there will be enough people that will still connect with it and still buy tickets to shows. And if not, then so be it. Well, I, you know, I really, really, really relate to what you're saying because on my show... I also, I don't go in with a necessary like a list of questions or like a, a, a direction. I go in and, and I feel the person I'm interviewing. If he's going in a certain way, I'll join him on that journey. I'll go with him on that journey. And, and I, I love it. Yeah, because, then that's, that's a you know, method of living life. Right. That, 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 that goes into your work, that goes into the way you interview and the way I make music mm-hmm. because that's the way we live life. That's why I don't write a set list because when you're stuck to a – yeah. To, to a list you're limited then you miss out on what's real on what's right. really happening around you you know wow wow um what has been your biggest mistake and your and your biggest regret and what would you do differently now you know i guess I, i'm I gonna g- guess i don't know if i can point to a specific thing but i think you know in the na- the nature of the beast is that i would like i you know I didn't always feel confident in in what I was doing in this process that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. There's been uh, like many many times where I've second guessed myself and what I'm doing, and I uh, guess you know it it's all it all is for a reason because I've gained you know inspiration from that. But um, you know you know if I could go back, I would sort of every time I felt self doubt or I felt you know unsure of myself. And I was reading those comments and really taking them in. I would say, like, dude, like, screw those people. You know, right. do what you know is real and what you need to do. You know, and you may have ups and downs and good shows and bad shows, but at least you know at the end of the day that you're not a liar, that you never faked it. You know wow. what I mean? Mm-hmm. How difficult, by the way, was it rebranding yourself, and and how did you manage to do it successfully? I don't know if I'm the gripe, if I'm really like the, you know. You know, I didn't do it in a success. I didn't do it with a publicist or a manager or someone being like, this is how you're going to holding my hand. This is how you're going to do it. Mm -hmm. I just did it. And I've been picking up the pieces ever (laughs) since. And, you know, it's taken time for people to like come to it and not to. But again, you know, it just is what it is, you know. So before we wrap up, can, can you give our audience a quick vocal, maybe something they haven't heard? What do you mean? Anything, anything that comes, just sing something. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I don't really want to sing, but I will plug my new song, which is called Love, Love Born from, Love Born. Love and Born? And the lyric there is Love, yeah, Love Born. Check it out on 
Go how to Facebook, Modest Yahoo, Instagram, Modest Yahoo. Check out the new song and the new video single. It's called. There's two new songs that I released this summer. One is called Storm Tossed. Okay. And one of them is called Love Born. And can I you, think that they're really great can songs. You give us the fans a really can you give connected. us a, a teaser for the, one of those? No, I don't do that. Sorry. Really? Seriously? Oh, man. Okay, no, fine. no, man. I got to watch my voice. I'm a professional. I got to sing tonight. I've been talking and doing interviews for the last eight hours straight. Whoa. I'm not trying to like strain my voice right now. I'm standing no, no. outside. There's trucks going by. <laughs> when is your next you know? live event, by the way? Tonight. I'm playing a free show. No way. In Bend, Oregon. And then I'm playing... I was just in the park. I was by the swings with my daughter, and I was swinging her, and someone came over, and they were like, we're fans, you know? And they were like, are you playing while you're here? I'm like, nah. And there's this farmer's market, and I used to go hang out there in the park when I was like 17 years old, you know? And they're, and they're like, you know, like, you should play. And I was like, oh, I, I, you know, we'll, we'll see. And the dude called, like, the owner of the of the bar there, and, like, they were, like, within within minutes, they were like, okay, so now there's this Modest Yahoo show at 6 o'clock in the same park that I used to go when I was, like, barefoot, <laughs> when I was, like, 17 and hang out and have big dreams of being a musician. So it's kind of cool. I like that kind of thing. It's, like, full circle. Uh, Love Born from Pain is the real thing. And, um, you know, right, that's, cool. that's the story outside of that, you know, go on the, go on the website for the dates. I got shows coming up, you know, okay. everywhere. I'll be in Alaska this weekend. I'll be in Jerusalem on uh, October 13th. Yeah. My wife wants and, to go uh, to that, wants to go to that concert, but I don't think there's any more tickets. There is, there's plenty of yeah. tickets. I don't know who told you there's no tickets. There's tons of tickets. Yeah. Please buy a ticket, support Modest Yahoo and, uh, and his kids. And cool. um, bring your wife, you know, I'll, make a night I'll, out of I'll, it. I'll, I'll be there, Matasiel, for sure. All right, um, brother. All right, cool. Matasiel, this has been incredibly inspiring. It's been great getting to know you better. Thanks so much for letting me pick your brain. Thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.